guts at no Asking anyone, anywhere if we're a good team Super rugby eyes was alright Trans-Tasman just went to shite It was locked down in suburban Sydney Discipline was just that buck, yeah, it's the simple things in the sport like catching pucks. And sitting on the bench then, straight from Sonny's basement, it was time for Quaid to have his turn again. Rennie was trying different things, yellow cards given to the wings, and every part was on the things we were doing wrong. Claimed from Japan at full throttle, no quarantine they played. Three in a row, it's been so bloody long Winning three in a row, it's been so bloody long Yeah, no look passes from the prop Two from two against the box And third in the world's a nice little cherry on the top Now they're winning in the Queensland sun When Sean McMahon gonna get a run Running lines of quite in a tough Socializing outside the bubble Swinton's gonna get in trouble Winning three in a row It's been so bloody long Hey and welcome to this week's edition of the Rugby Report Card brought to you by our very own Jim. Can I just say I am more than happy to get it wrong every bloody week if I get to hear another uh, James special. That is absolutely outstanding. Uh, with me this week is uh, Blake. Hey mate, I think you're too kind. I, I, I think we were due that song weeks ago and it, was, <laughs> and it was great to finally hear it. Welcome back Jim. Bringing something to the team. Yeah, it's not. It's nice to do, and it's it's good to do it about something good too. Because how good? Three on the trot. That's like fucking salsa dancing in the kitchen. Shit. That that was a great moment. Can I ask what is it? And this is what I, a question I did really want to ask you guys because. You know, and it is, you cannot use the answer we haven't played New Zealand because there's been so many occasions where you've had an opportunity to win three games in a row against a various opposition. Okay, but what is what is it about this group of players uh, that has allowed you to to win three in a row, or is it as simple as you're just at home, or the bounce of the ball has gone your way? What is it about it? Because you need to celebrate these three wins in a row. But what is it about them, mate? I could say something salacious like Quade Cooper, um, but I, it's it's clearly a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think first and foremost, though, it is playing three home games. Um, not against the All Blacks. I think that helps dramatically. Uh, And I think what we do have, what it feels like we have right now, is a really nice melting pot of uh, an under-20s backbone to this side that that are, you know, grand finalists in the Under-20 World Cup a couple of years ago that looked bloody strong, a world-class coach for the first time in a long time, um, and a couple of experienced players Quade Cooper, Samu Karevi, um, and Michael Hooper that are world-class. Um, and probably for the first time ever, 
and no disrespect to other props that have been and gone. We've had some great ones, but for the first time ever, a, a prop who's who's arguably the best in the world. I think I think you know the combination of those three experienced superstars coming back into this side, energizing the youth. Rennie's leadership um, and then just a special talent like Tupo is just a melting pot of, of a lot of good things, sprinkle on home games um, and, and with, a, with a pinch of not playing the All Blacks and you've got a really nice run of rugby and, and things look great. They're worth singing about. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, particularly now what you're seeing is the start of the momentum, right? Uh, that first Bucky game, you know, we only won it by a bee's knee at the end. Um, Had that not gone our way, where would we be right now? It's an interesting question, but that is what triggered this whole uproar of euphoria and pleasure in what we're witnessing, especially in our home home state. So it's, it's good. I think it's momentum. I think it's everything that Blake's just outlined as well. And there's just a confidence in the team. They they genuinely think they can get it done now because they are getting it done. What's going, to, what's going to be the difference maker? I don't, I don't come back to that because, like, in 2017, which seems like ages ago, like, you're on Britain in seven and, you know, the excitement was building and you've got a potential now to, to win eight on a right, eight on the spin, okay? That's the potential. You know, is that the way you're thinking now because there is such positivity or is, there, um, is that going too far now? Are we, put, are we holding too much, putting too much pressure on this young group of players? Because I agree with everything that you just said. Um, I think... Um it's a couple of it's a couple of milestones, right? Number one, put Argentina away next weekend. Um, we, we outplayed them this week. We played well. No gripes there. We didn't execute everything. Uh, I'd like to see us move up a notch next week. I think we've got to put them to the sword, and then we need to start winning away from home. Um, is the next ticket on the item. Uh, because, what, Rennie's undefeated in Queensland. He's never won a game out of Australia. Um, so I think the next thing is to win a game overseas um, and then let's see if we can turn that into two. Um, I don't think we're talking about winning the whole spring tour just yet, um, but I, I think I think step one, put Argentina away. Step two, uh, win an away game. Um, which is going to be Japan, which will be an inevitable goal. And then you start building and then you go to Europe and you think, okay, cool. What have we got? Three games there, four games there? Yeah, three. It's, it's, um, I'm pretty sure it's Scotland, England, Wales, I, I believe. Yeah, so let's be honest. I think a, uh, a good series is winning two out of three. Um, a bad series is winning one out of three. So I think there's sort of no wiggle room, that, wiggle room there. And then an exceptional series is winning three out of three. Um, and I reckon that's how we'll be judged, somewhere in between there. Um, I reckon we're on this podcast pretty happy if it's two out of three. Um, but I reckon we're a bit bummed if it's one out of three. And then our nudie runs if it's three out of three. If it's three out of three, nudie runs. But getting two out of three is going to be an excellent feat and we should be pretty stoked with that for what has been and always is a pretty long international season and we've had it really good when measured by others. But um, there's no denying that will always be and it's, you know, a result of playing them so frequently measured by when we play New Zealand and when we beat New Zealand. That's how we get measured. And we have a genuine, a genuine inferior attitude to that team and as we should, that we generally, sorry, have this mind where our minds just blow. We have no confidence when we play them. And all we can do 
is sort of beat other teams around them to write those mindsets. Because when you think of the World Cup when Checker was running and we were we were steamrolling through everyone, that 2015, we were doing so well. But not for a second did I ever think that we were going to beat All Blacks in the final. We just can't because they've got the edge over us mentally for 20 years almost. And to come over that hurdle, which is a giant hurdle, I don't know how the fuck you do that. I know, I know, I know. Blake's got his hand up, and I'm, I'm going completely against the uh, the order I hit. But I, I think you need to change it. You need to get you need to get your mindset out of consistently. Yes, every country in the nation compares yourself to New Zealand, but let's just take them to a side. You're not no one them. more so than us, but no, 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 no. I'm not saying you're not, but you don't play them for a, a number of a number more of, of games now. You've got four games in your spring tour, then you play England. Uh, for three games, so that's seven extra games now before the before you play New Zealand again. Okay, so let's just focus. If you're in a Wallaby team, focus on forget about them. Okay, because you're always going to be compared. Yes, but win five out of the next seven. Wins all seven if that's that's your aim. Whatever it might be, or eight including the game of Argentina. I think you just need to put New Zealand to the side and just do what you can and celebrate the wins along the way. I think Agreed, and I think we should really enjoy the fact that we're going to get ten or eleven games scheduled, not playing the All Blacks. Uh, and this is a really good chance to build belief in this squad. Um, enjoy this run um, and, and see where it takes us, see the, the magic that it brings us to. Um, all I wanted to to really jump on and say is how hard is is this podcast when Australia plays well? I, I don't know. I've never really experienced it before. This is a new new one, really. Finding it really challenging. What are we going to come in here and talk them all up? Fucking hell! Do, do you know what? In terms of talking about the uh, three things, so you, you've we've just you've just won three games in a row. It's been a positive experience. Uh, what would you say? What are the three things? What are three things you got? Like we've actually learned because we. Could, I don't see the point of going through every player. Like what are three? What are three players that have stood up? You know, other than the usual Hooper and Karevi and 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 uh, Tupo, who who have stood up for you and made and made a big difference over the last three games that surprised you both. It's obviously a. Not many of you. Not many. <laughs> oh, look, I think you hit the big three on the head. I think they're, they're, they're the glue, right? Samu Karevi's been the real revelation, hasn't he? Like, he, he is the best 12 in the world. You can't change my mind on that. Um, I think he's been a real game changer and, and Quaid's control and steadying and, and Tupo's class. I thought Tupo was off this weekend. I thought he had one of his uh, yeah, I agree. younger games where he makes mistakes and overplays his hand a bit. With that said, he still had 50-odd run metres and dominated the scrum. Um, he got pinned a little more than usual, dropped a bit more ball, that's, but he was that's still the critique. That's the critique on this cat, man, because we know how good and a freak he is. Um, the consistency of putting performances like he did in the second test against the, the Bockies, that's his aim. That's his goal. He can't do it. I've never seen him do it. And this is where his critique comes in. He gets all trigger happy. I think he's judged by a different standard. I think um, Al Baxter plays the game Tupo did on the weekend where on is swinging off his nuts. James Slipper plays that game. We're losing our mind. I think he's judged by a different standard, and I think his mistakes are that of a 25-year-old. I did think it was interesting, though. Ben Darwin tweeted, obviously knows what he's talking about in the old front row, just said um, he wants Tupo to start getting pinned now so it doesn't happen in a World Cup. Um, suspicious on, on what Richard was saying in a few of our podcasts about his bind. Um I, I don't know. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, but but clearly if Ben Darwin's saying it, might know so a little bit more So his bind is legitimately me. a bit from left to centre, where it yeah, should be. Yeah, it's, it's his bind and then it, it turns in, so he doesn't always drive straight. 
So as long as you start straight and then you fold in, then that's okay because you started straight. But he doesn't always do that. When he binds, he naturally starts to turn in. And in terms of the scrum, by the way, I think a lot of props needs to be, uh, pun intended, needs to be given to James Slipper on that side. I think he beat up his his, his compatriot on that side. So, yes. Doesn't he keep but, getting better with age? Yeah. So, Tupo had a big, big role. And to go to your point, Tupo should be held in higher regard than Backstromer. No point did we ever come on here and say Alan Baxter was going to be the number one prop in the entire world. Why is Al right? Baxter getting a run here? <laughs> <laughs> but he's played 100 games to Wallabies, mate. I think he's a pretty handy prop to, to yeah. have as a yardstick. Absolutely. As a, as a good barometer. But if he if, if we're saying that Chupo is the, the number one prop in the world, and there is potential, if he isn't, and he's very close to it, that's why he's that's why he's critiqued at a, at a much higher level. It's the same for any position, not just because of not just because of him. So is he um is he angling in before engagement because he's anticipating not winning the impact? Like what is that? I I, th- I, I think he's just dominant. Give me your best Kearns so, rendition. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a Kearns. I'll give <laughs> you what the critics are saying, and I'll give you what I think. My Kearns rendition is they've just got to get a bit lower, um, and they've just got to. You know, they've really got to push. Um, and, yeah, that's what we see going on at the scrum there. They're just going to get a bit lower. Um, I'll, that's rubbish. I'll give you what the critics say, which is that, yes, he's trying to get an edge. Um, so he's coming in at a slight angle to separate the other prop from the hooker. That's creating a bit of space, and then he can just hammer through that space yeah. um, and, and use his natural physicality uh, because he's not entering correctly. My view is he's just dominating the scrum at such a high level, people are looking for some sort of cheating. If he was going to dominate at such a high level, and I'm not saying that he's not, I have my issues with it, but why is he pushing the, the boundary? If he doesn't need to, if he's such an elite level scrummager, why does he need to go to that level? Just start straight and then work your way in. You know, if he is that, if he is that great. I I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I tune out every time there's a scrum. Um, so someone would have to show me footage of how many scrums he's doing it, where it's occurring, and yada, yada, yada. But, God, the last thing I want to do is spend our podcast yarning about scrums. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to, to finish off on your, your question, I guess, Richard, was obviously the, the stand-ups outside of those three that you mentioned got to be a Kellaway. Kellaway's definitely announced himself as a genuine 14 in um, a couple of years' time. Yep. And, you know, we talked about Tupo. And then the other one that, that I'm thinking I'm liking the progress with is obviously Len and then Reese Hodge. I mean, I've shouted on him for years and happily so. But he's, he's finding his way into this team and making positive impacts. He's still got mistakes there, but he's genuinely out and out. The ratio is more towards the positive impacts, which is really pleasing to see. To bust a tackle to come through the line, you barely, you very rarely see that. So whatever he's doing, whatever he's eating, fucking keep going. Do you know what? For me, I, I feel what was encouraging, and you might say it's just because of the opposition that you played against, uh, but I really like the way that he took the ball flat at times from a second or third receiver and he, he pushed off his outside foot and really straightened the line, so straightened the attack at times, uh, whereas I think Tom Banks drifts a little bit too much. Um, so I think he added that level of directness. He's still questionable under the high ball, but I don't think he's played enough of 15 to be able to hone that skill but, yet. But he can't be any worse than, than Banks, right? No, With no, the stock no, that agree. we have there. And when you're talking about him taking on the line, I mean, that comes from all his experience at 13 too. Totally. Like but he's I just, got that confidence there. But I, I just, and we've said this before, for him to grow as an international 15 or international 13, unfortunately, he's a jack of all trades. He needs to 
kind of like pick and stick. You know, he's if he's going to play 15 for the Wallabies, fantastic. You know, let, let's hone those skills defensively and an attack and, and hopefully he'll get better. But I totally agree with the point that he's better than Tom Banks at the moment. One I just wanted to throw out there, and I know he's only played those last few weeks, but I really feel that Rodder has really uh, put a stamp on this team um, over the last few weeks as a, as a second round, as, as a as a key member of that, set, that, that front five. What, do, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's definitely jumped into a leadership role there too. He's getting the boys together and having a chat whenever I see him off camera in the background. So he's definitely playing a role that he thinks he can contribute to, um, which is great. I just take the pay cut, man, you know? <laughs> um, one thing, because always, always, it's always good shit on something. Seriously, get your line out right, boys. Come on, where, where are you going to find your hooker from? Who's going to be your hooker? Right, you know term. what? I think that was um, we really missed Swinton there at the line out. Um, mm. I, I think we we really really missed Swinton at the line out massively. Um, I thought Rob Liotta was was handy, and I was really happy to get some minutes. He's a very big boy, um, and I think that's one exciting thing. We're getting a few big boys together for a change, yep. um, but I think losing Swinton as an option at a line out hurt. Maybe Fyinger's choices of who to throw to. I know Leoto is a huge unit and you should be able to get the ball to him, but Swinton seemed to have been offering a bit more at line out there, so maybe that's an excuse. Throwing was a bit shit, but but the mm. mail is, um, you know, with the Karevi clause, the Gitto law, um, the mail is pretty firm that Dave Rennie wants and will have Latu back as the Wallabies' starting hooker, um, and that... That cat's legit. Dude, the I last mean, he, time he, I saw Tolu Latu it was, was at the car park at Southern District's home ground punching a durry with his brother, not giving two hoots about anything. He looked so out of shape. That's the last time. You're telling me he's running on it too. I'm telling you he is, mate, because last was at last World Cup. He dead set punched some durries, got on the cans and ripped every minute he was on the field. I've got I no tell, issue I remember he turned into a fuck-off jackal. He could get over that like yeah, it wasn't. And, and I reckon... Um, and that comes from, like, scrambling through the bins for durries, I reckon. That's He's got it, that mate. posture, that technique. And some Quade Cooper SBW bro shit will definitely work on him. And he'll start drinking the Kool-Aid yeah. and, he, and he'll yeah. join the cult of uh, training really hard. Uh, so I'm excited. And then you've got a couple of young hookers waiting in the wings. I'd love to see Latu back. I don't know if we'll see him back in Super Rugby. Yeah. Probably good that we don't because we don't see all these yellow and red cards. It, it, it's um, been enough time. Maybe he went straight from the, the parking lot of Southern to SBW's yoga retreat and just come out of fucking Zen Zen Cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so look, there's certainly, certainly some, some hope there. Can I ask when Tolalada was in the car park, Jim? Did you, did you go and tell him that he was out of shape? Did you just go? Oh. I was I was petrified. He he was a very scary dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's the type of dude who just I don't know. He didn't look like 20. he wanted me to come up and get an autograph or any of that either. No, no arm around the shoulder or anything. Just smile for the selfie. No, no, nah, nothing. W- while tell telling him what, he was though. out of shape. Nah. Okay. Cat's twenty eight years old, mate. He's thirty at this World Cup. That's prime. Imagine a front row of uh, prime beef slipper, prime beef latu, and some Angus steak tongue and thaw. Imagine and, that front row. Yeah, and Holy with that, moly. you can carry you can carry some game meat like Rob Liotto and, and other young guns. You could carry oh, that. Yeah, with you that throw sort of a Rodder Philip Swain conversation in the second row. You've got a tight five there. You got a tight five, um, which the Wallabies have not had for a very long time. That's well, pretty look, exciting. Hopefully, it all holds up. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I've got one that blew my mind this week because, you know, the Wallabies were great. I was pumped. Yeah, you could criticise them for not putting Argentina away, but, fuck, we won by 20-odd points. We drew with them twice last year. I will take it. Very happy with the boys. Tell you what blew my mind today. Um, I was reading an article of of the Amigos, Quaid, O'Connor, and obviously there's talk of Beal filling that number 15 jersey. Um, And what blew my mind is that they have not played together for the Wallabies in a decade, 2011. It's because they all play the same position, mate. No, it's just because they all went travelling around the world. They all played in different places. Like James O'Connor. James O'Connor was playing for London Irish at certain No, no. I know, look, I know all of that, right? They've all had their, their Barney Rubbles. Yeah, they all fucked up and had to leave. That's yeah. why. <laughs> they've, all, they've all had a fucking torrid little journey, and, and that's why um, the redemption yarn is just so much fun and so seductive. But I guess what, what the point I'm trying to make is they're pretty rare players, those three. Like, talent, let's forget their off-field dramas. I think they've all come good now in their older age. Mm. Um, Let's forget all their off-field Barney Rubbles. They are some rare football players. So you're telling me between the ages of 22 and 32, we had three blokes, legit world-class, and they'd never played together for that entire decade. It just blew my mind. It just but felt do you like, think it just mate, it's on them. I'm not blaming Australian rugby. No, 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 so no, I wasn't. But my question is throughout the, the the timeline that you just mentioned, were they all world class at that point? They all had the potential to be it, or due to yes, all the off field stuff, they never reached the echelon that they were capable of. So as much as Yeah, you- because none of them other than Quaid really oh, and Curtly, Curtly and Quaid, I guess, reached yeah. it. They played yeah. 70, 80 tests for the Wallabies. You'll take that. Just I not think, consistently. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just think it's, it's an astounding, you know, it, it's almost like having Shane Warne, Ricky Ponting, like three superstars and they just never played together. It just it just kind of blows my mind in your, in your head because they all played so many games for the Wallabies and they've been so prominent in the front page. It felt like they must have played heaps of footy together. Um, I just thought it was an astounding sort of statistic. Do we ever see them back in the Wallabies together? Fuck, wouldn't that be the dream? But also, as you as you go back there, all of those players were sort of moulded to be that 10, 12 and 15, right? Um, so a lot of the time, by having all of those three in your back line, it sort of does limit what you're going for, what you can do with your attack. I think um, you see that now with Quaid and O'Connor. You, you probably can't start both of them. You nope. can't, no. Um, they are. A I bit don't know. Too I know I've been wrong. I know I've been wrong. I, I don't know if you boys know. I've, I've been wrong a couple of times. Recently. It's, it's well uh, documented. No, all right. It's nice to have I a quote for your statue now. Yeah, underneath, no. <laughs> I know I've been wrong. <laughs> I know I've been wrong. Uh, but Quaid doesn't start the next game, surely. It's a look. It's an interesting question. I actually thought when O'Connor came on, uh, we looked very threatening in attack, mm. but we didn't look anywhere near as good. Um, I thought O'Connor looked really panicked and quite disorganised. I thought Quaid controlled that game really subtly and really, really well uh, for the entire duration. And every minute he has been on the park, we have looked like an organised outfit. Um, So if if the plan is just to get O'Connor back into the starting 10, yeah, surely O'Connor starts. Uh, But if if the choice is that Quaid has now taken the jersey, I'll stick with Quaid. Yeah, which it should be, right? Um, I think, if anything, for the point of getting James O'Connor to an international playing standard should anything happen to Quaid's body, 
in the next few tests. You need to start Quaid this weekend, um, maybe give him a few more minutes and then give him the Japanese test. Mm. I'm giving a starting spot there um, and then move forward from that. I think Quaid has put his hand up and taken this position and to hand it just back over, it's, it sort of solidifies that he was just temporarily filling in, which it's been everything but that from what we've seen. Pretty cool. They're roommates at the moment for this uh, this little series. That'd be pretty intense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't reckon. I reckon Quaid's just way too zen. Everything he says, he just doesn't care anymore, and that's why he's playing good. Whatever, man. Yeah, but as he sits there nice and zen and chilled out, what's James O'Connor doing to him? <laughs> doesn't O'Connor look fit too? Hmm. Um, and look, what a cool conversation to have. And the other conversation I wanted to have is just Hunter Paisami. For the whole Super Rugby season, we came on here and was the fucking one shining light for Australian rugby. Mm. He was that good. The French series, he was their best player. Mm. The, the the first two tests against the All Blacks was, thank mm. God we got Hunter Paisami. Um, congratulations, off to have a bub. He's never getting back in that team. No. Let him steal my sunshine, Ikitao, and then Samo double tap Karevi. There's no chance. There's no chance. And isn't that a glorious thing to proclaim? It's just so good having genuine competition where even here you're like, fuck, I don't know. Well, I know who I think is the better player, but it's always a question. It's so good. It's excellent. Yeah, it's a no- nice position. Could I ask just do a final thing really about Crevy? And I agree. I think he's been the best player for the Wallabies. I said this the last few weeks. He's been outstanding. But does it surprise you that the that they've gone back to that route of having him at 12 to give the security to Quaid? I get that completely. And, you know, Crevy ball, and he's been such a dynamic um, influence with ball in hand, you know, or without it as a dummy runner. But do you think that that's um, a surprise with the fact that the move to 12s were more playmakers and we've gone back to that idea of a 12, trucking it up down the middle or not? You know what? I'm going to throw out a Rod Kafer on this one. It was like five or ten years ago we wrote an article. Um, that's a voice we've missed this season, isn't it? Mm. Um, but he wrote an article that the, the myth of the second playmaker is... Um, incredibly unnecessarily in rugby. In the modern age, you need the giant 12 and then you need a 13 who has enough skill, you know, and he pointed to a Brian O'Driscoll, a Tano Umanga, a Conrad Smith, a 13 who can kick off both feet and can feed the wingers and the fullback. He's your link player and your 12 is your unit. And it was years ago he wrote this and basically said Australia just won't get with the program. Uh, our, our obsession with the second playmaker. And, and I know England um, have, have gone the same route ever since having Eddie Jones. They've ran the two playmakers, a very Australian thing. Before Eddie, they had the big the big unit at 12. Um, you don't know who it was, do you? No, I've got no idea. <laughs> Tuolangi, maybe. <laughs> don't, fucking, don't call me out, Jim. I'm fucking halfway to a rant here. Uh, and New Zealand's probably the only team that get away with with picking a, a versatile 12 because they've got blokes who can do everything. But even their 12s, when you look at the tape, it's usually the big the big unit. They're giant, man. Yeah. Um, I remember that at, at Southern, you know, fuck, I'm referring to my rugby days twice now, but we used to just have a giant at 12 and Every training session was just he gets the ball first phase and fourth phase, and then whatever's open up, go for it from there. <laughs> Rick, can I, oh, I just remember the last time I came down to Southern to watch you two play rugby, and I seem to remember Blake was running the 12 channel and it was past him <laughs> to smash it up. I've never seen a cat scared so much <laughs> as he was in that situation. Yeah, not the, not the bloke to pick at 12. We've been doing the double playmaker that day. Yeah, yeah in case anyone from Southern is see all 15. 
I can't want to shit on Tom Banks for catching on any over quarter ball, mate. Um, but yeah, it's good to have, and, and it's working, right? It, it, what's fascinating is everyone knows what we're going to do, and you just still can't really stop Karevi. His ball work and footwork. His ball work and footwork is next level. Um, his control, it's it's what, it's really good. What do you boys give to Sevens for his um, extra progression? Um, or do you give it up to Japan, giving him the freedom? Or is it he was always this good? Well, he was at about he, that 50 test mark, and then we never got to see his prime. You heard, I heard TJ Paranara speak at the end of the match. I don't know if you caught this too. First thing he does is another thank you to Sonny, you saved my life speech. I don't know what's going on in that basement, man, <laughs> but I want in. Um, and then he talked about his time in Japan and how it's completely changed his approach to rugby. Um, completely attributes all of the success and the style of game he's playing now to what he experienced and did in his season over there. And, you know, he didn't go into too much specifics, but um, he, he really attributes a lot of his success that he's having now to that Japanese experience. So I think you got to give some credit to what's going on over there. And I don't watch too much of it. It seems like a very heavily one-sided contest. You get massive score lines with the odd um, absolute belter of a game. But um, something's in that water. And I think the coaching's top-notch over there. If you look at some of the coaches who are over there coaching, like there's some real good stuff going on. But I think they go over to this New Zealand, uh, sorry, this Japanese comp with a bit of credit, you know, with a bit of bit of aura from these players and a lot of respect and they've done so many things. And I think a, an, a natural sort of leadership role is expected from them and they slot straight in. No idea how that occurs with the language barrier. But um, I think decision-making and whatnot in the field sort of takes that. But I think that's sort of what's shaping them because they all speak very highly of these Japanese experiences. Um, so oh, I'm I going to attribute it to that. Two, two points is I thought TJ was dog shit on the weekend. It's the worst game I've ever seen him play. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was terrific. But I do love TJ and he's normally sensational. Um, look, is it just a case of they get to go over to Japan and, and they're an international rugby player Oh, fuck, I've, I've watched that Japanese series, mate. It is every third team is is quality. Um, they've got five superstars. The other ten blokes are bums. And then the other two teams in my equation of three teams are like a fourth-grade subby side. So you just get to show up and be a boss uh, and maybe just you're not training as hard. You don't have the media scrutiny. And, you know, you just fucking sharp, score six tries. You start feeling pretty good about yourself. Um, I just found it. It's a shooting gallery. It's almost like schoolboy footy in that if you're good, you're a superstar because not everyone else is exceptional. Um, so maybe it's confidence building and, and it's a bit of pressure off. Who knows? Richard. Yeah. And I think that the point that sticks out there most just before you jump in, Richard, is how their bodies probably don't go through the motions as much as they do in the super rugby comp. Like there are genuine weeks off in quotations when they play, I don't know, whoever the shit team over there is, the Tars or something. Hyundai. Yeah, the, the uh, Tokyo Waratahs. Uh, I would just, just say two things. Um, one, which kind of agrees to your point, um, I think the toll of not playing international rugby, I know you talked about super rugby, but I feel like international rugby is the, the real, the intensity level increases exponentially compared to like super rugby. And I think a year of not playing international rugby is allowed him to to change his body, playing sevens, et cetera. And that leads me to my next point. I feel that he is – I've got no evidence other than just looking at him. I feel like he's leaner. He's a little bit more 
um, light-footed on his feet, and that, I think, gives a little bit of credit to the sevens, whereas I think he was a bit more bulkier before, and I think that, that light-footedness leaner has allowed him to become a little bit more elusive um, as well. So I think it's a combination of those two things. So changing body shape and, and not having to play international rugby for years, coming back a lot fresher. Isn't that body shape funny? Because in the sevens, he looked like a prop forward he absolutely who, couldn't, who yeah. couldn't move that well. And then you put him back in the 15s, uh, and he looks lighter. He looks... He looks quick on his feet. Mm. Um, look, talking about the pressures of international rugby, I, I just want to give it up to the Pumas. I mean, it's not been easy for anyone. The South African boys have been in a bubble for about four or five months and, and they've gone through that Lions tour. They've had COVID go through the team and now they've been over here for four or five weeks. It'll be full on. But special mention to the Argentinians. You've glued a team together from all over from the world. You've flown over to Wales. You've quarantined. You've played two close test matches there. Then you've had to fly over here, cop all the quarantine, and in what, in in four weeks or six weeks or whatever, you have no weekends off, six, seven-day turnarounds. You play the Springboks, the All Blacks, and the Wallabies, ranked one, two, and three in the world. I, I just think the Pumas deserve a bit of respect. Um, I, I was shitting on them last week. Maybe they're not as good as they used to be. They knocked off the All Blacks last year. That, imagine what they've been through. Let, let's be honest. I don't reckon the Wallabies, the Bockies, or the All Blacks would cop that sort of schedule. No. They'd throw the toys out of the cot. Uh, but if any of them did, I'll be honest, the Wallabies, I don't think we're winning either. Like, that's a horrendous schedule. So I just wanted to throw it out to the Puma boys. Well done. A huge effort, yeah. But the issue here is the scheduling. And they might have agreed to contests before all of this shit went down, but why are they going to Wales and why are they travelling to South Africa? Come meet in the middle. Um, Isn't that just the logical thing to do? Like if we're really concerned about player welfare, if we've completely changed the game because we're concerned about concussions and whatnot, shouldn't we be considering their fucking genuine lives as well? Like their mental state? Like that's a problem to me. What sticks out there, yeah, good on them, but they shouldn't be asked to do that shit. It's too much. I, I agree with your point wholeheartedly, but unfortunately for a nation that wants to develop its rugby, and I want to reiterate, I agree with your point, Joe, but money talks. They want to go to, they, they, if they go to Wales, they make money. They then go to South Africa with television rights. They make more money for their, for their programs. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, they then have to come to Australia because Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa are never going to Argentina. So for them to play rugby, to build their brand, to get money into their system, they have to do it. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the way the world works, which is unfortunate because I agree, Argentina have been amazing at it and they're going to be in the bubble for even longer as it comes. But um, yeah, yeah, and look, yeah. I think this year it's a bit harsh to go anyone about scheduling. No one knew, you know what I mean? But they've made that. this work. They've made this work and, and it's been pretty special. I've really enjoyed the rugby championship being in one nation. I would love if this was the model uh, and it just bounced around to you'd the be, four countries. You'd be shitting it. be like, ah, oh, it's this crap. It's in Argentina. It's a crap time zone. Oh, it's South Africa. It's two o'clock in the morning. Who came, you know, who came up with this shit idea? It's probably because yeah. it's just in Australia that I'm frothing. <laughs> but I agree with you, though. I love it. I, I love the it. touring of Queensland, too. Like, fuck, these stadiums, like Townsville Stadium, 28, was oh. lovely. The whole experience, the back-to-back, fuck, it looked epic. Seeing the so captains great. together, seeing the guys on the, on planes together. Three um, of them. Yeah, three, well, you know, sucked in Argentina. Win a game, oh, you yes. might get invited. Oh, <laughs> um, no, Saturday, it, here we come. In all seriousness, I've enjoyed 
um, all of the rugby championship. I think it's been a sensational format and they've done well to put it together. I just wanted to throw some respect out to the Pumas um, who, who don't have the depth of New Zealand. New, let's be honest, New Zealand ran the fucking B side on the weekend. Yeah. Still won. Well, um, well let's talk about that then. Is this, I mean, it's not. Playing rugby is always going to make you better than not playing. But is there many takeaways that they can take from this horrendous schedule that they've got? They've played a lot of rugby games and haven't really looked that convincing in any of them. Um, it, it's, it almost looks like the same sort of style of play, the same errors each week. There's not much diversity in what we're seeing from them, but we're stoked that they're showing up. So is this actually a beneficial experience for them? Could you argue the fact that the French, for example, they came over with a second string team or whatever letter we got to in the end. Uh, it allowed them to build a squad uh, that allowed them to hopefully build towards a World Cup. Is that what Argentina are doing? That, yes, Scheduling is okay. way different. They, they rocked up and played three tests and went home. It's, it's much yeah, different. Yeah, no, you can no, fire I, up for three tests. Yeah, no, and I don't mean the scheduling. I'm just talking about building the depth of the squad, getting more players accustomed or acclimatised to test match rugby. That when the scheduling is a lot more um, streamlined, then obviously they can work on patterns, et cetera. But is that their ultimate goal? So therefore it is beneficial to, to broaden the net that they've got to pick players from? Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I, I, I just I think it's a question. I think their, their progression and what they're getting out of these games mm. is not what it could be. No, no, and about the end, you know what? They might win. I, I, I don't think they will, but they might win next week at Seabus, and then it might, oh. be a, it might be a success. But no, I, I, I don't wanna, think they will. No, I don't no, think no. they will either. Um, but the point you made about uh, the New Zealand, I think it's a bit remiss of us not to, to talk about in New Zealand and say congratulations to them. You know, obviously winning that game, and uh, I think it again uh, brought to the fore again what I think all of us said that you know whatever game South Africa plays in. They play that stifling, they play that, you know, suffocating game that it's always going to be close. But uh, um, I'm glad New Zealand came out on top and obviously we'll see what happens again next week. Mm, yeah, what I saw in that Kiwi Bok game is just not what I wanted to see, you know. I wanted to, for the spectacle, to see the Kiwis just being able to run right and do what they please, which we saw in that first five minutes and how fucking quick is Will Jordan. Never seen anything like that before. Also, can I catch? I think you're talking about bridge there, aren't you? Bridge yeah. are horrific. Um, but but then the kicking game and the box kicks and the the limiting the attack and stop start nature, it just works, man. Like it is a good strategy. It might not always work, but it's a strategy you can sort of get behind and choke a team up. I'm going to play devil's advocate on that, Jim. I could have gone either way, but you've thrown out that point, so I'm going to go this way. Hey, go um, that way. <laughs> I, I, I think it, the Springboks have to play like that. Um, they tried to pass it a little bit against the Wallabies. Um, they they got we, we pumped them in that second test when they actually tried to spread the ball. They box kicked an extra fifteen times this game on top of what they kicked against us. I don't think it was fucking possible. They kicked so much football away. They spent more time with the physio than I have, and I used to pull arteries every weekend. Um, they slowed the game down and they made it a, a mess. Okay, they they did the set piece. They were physical they were fired up and they were brutal i was really impressed with their physicality khaleesi was a beast uh Dealande, i've been rough on him he had a brilliant game he bashed the all blacks i saw him move laterally Dealande. it was, yeah, it was incredible movement. but my point is right that's right now as good as they can do that version of rugby, that fucking negative, boring version of rugby. That that was it. That was cards on the table, and it definitely worked. And what worked about it is the All Blacks counter. 
And if you don't play rugby, they can't counter. Uh, it, it was a clever strategy. So it worked. And they still lost. And it, let's be honest, the All Blacks missing Aaron Smith, missing, missing uh, Richie Moana, missing Leonard Brown. Sorry, keep going, mate. Half the team was out. Missing half the team. And they played like absolute shit, the All Blacks. Um, and they really struggled with the humidity. And the Springboks still lost. So my point is I agree they had to play like that. That's all they've trained. That's all they've got. And it's actually a pretty clever strategy against the All Blacks. Don't make mistakes. They can't counterattack. Bash them. Make it physical. I get it. But they still lost. I think they try that tactic next week, they get pumped. Pumped. And they know that too, I reckon. But it was just some decision-making at the back end because it worked for 75 minutes. There were two points up and genuinely in control. The All Blacks were making uncharacteristic mistakes and they were getting some penalties when they were on the attack in the last 10 minutes of the game. And then two times, man, Faf, they're on their 30-metre line attacking. So on the All Black 30-metre line attacking and they just choose to box kick. Yeah, but you what play else those minutes do? out. What else you play can those they fucking, do? You just hit it up and keep it, keep it small. And if they get the penalty or get the turnover, they've still got 70 metres to make. When you're box kicking it and they're shit ones at that, they're oh, real straight to the full. I had, this argument with my, I had this argument with my old man today. He said exactly what you said, Jim. My question is the box kicks got him to the dance. The box kicks got them their only try. It's not getting you the chick's number, but. It, was got, it, got, it got them the dance and it got them the chick's number. It didn't get them a second date, though. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that's all they've got in the arsenal. Um, they don't have a plan B. And I think they tried to stretch a bit of a plan B uh, and, and it didn't work. And I just thought the All Blacks were, were just truly awful. Mm. Uh, but maybe that is credit to the Springboks game management um, and not giving the All Blacks an inch, playing that mistake-free rugby. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you reckon, Richard? Well, no, I'd actually just like to ask you a question, a further one, because gone are the days, unfortunately, that the South African teams all playing at the Sharks or playing at the Stormers or whatever it is. They're spread all around Europe, you know, and even the South African super rugby teams are now playing, obviously. Munster played the Sharks the other day. Uh, how much argument is there to say that the lack of continuity and the lack of consistency playing at a super rugby level has led to them following this mantra and it's been successful, so why would you change it? Uh, because of that lack of continuity that's, that's showing at club level. Uh, agreed, and I think that's why they're why they're doing it, and they do it bloody well. I guess the point I'm trying to say is, we saw it executed. Probably, maybe not perfect because Pollard was still a bit shit, um, but we saw them execute it pretty much as well as we can expect to see them execute it. Yeah. I would, and I would just say they just, still just lost. Absolutely. Like, what, what else do they do? Well, see, what is their ultimate goal? Like, if they're wanting to win a World Cup. Okay, they've just won a World Cup, you know. Um, someone could beat New Zealand on the way. It was England this time. It was them before. It was could have been Australia the year before that, whatever it is. So that's that's their goal. And if that's the, the working through a four-year plan to get to that point, then then they're going to follow that method. No, no, my thing, I, my, and, and my, that, my, my thing would be, my thing would be, sorry, is that if you want to beat New Zealand on a, on a regular basis, you need to be dynamic and you need to have... Uh, be uh, flexible in the game. And England have not been that, and Sarah Curran not been that. And I think you play with that option, as you said, you follow that method, but you have to be able to change it up. But it's very hard to do that when you follow the same thing. No, so I, I agree, and that's why I agreed yeah. with Faf box kicking. 
with with thirty meters out because I just think at this point you got to double down because you're not dynamic. You don't have it. So for, oh, this weekend, double down, boys. Triple the box kicks. Um, and but just get a better, but get a better chase though. It. Get a better chase. Like I think that chase has been really poor at times. Uh, and to that point, Australia yeah. needs to be more dynamic against the All Blacks. We need a box kicking game. We need to stop playing as much rugby against the All Blacks. And we need a defensive line that spans out after a kick. Mm. Like the, every kick that we did that they call on the full just gets spun to the left and the space is there, man, as I'm sure it is with every team. So where, does, that. South, where does South Africa fit in the, in the, in the, the lineup, the ladder, the, the seedings of, of, rugby, of, of rugby around the world right now? Because it's hard because England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, I haven't played for ages and... Uh, I think rugby math is, it's fun. It's what we do in this podcast, right? It's fun trying to work out where everyone sits. But but I actually think it is futile and absurd this year because you're right, Northern Hemisphere teams haven't played. The British and Irish Lions lost. Was that just terrible leadership by Gatlin? I don't know, but it makes you feel like you discount them a little bit, those teams. It's probably wrong to do so, but we do do it. Yeah, England have picked a, a, a very changed squad for the, exactly. next, for the, the next one. So. And then you throw in France, we don't know what their best squad is, but they just lost to Australia. Hmm. Um, but clearly it was their E team. Um, so we don't know where they sit now. South Africa won a World Cup, beat the British and Irish Lions. Now they're getting their asses handed to them. But is that a case of they've been away from home for a month? They've been in oh. a bubble for six months. They're missing Cheslin Colby. You know, are those things playing to it? Australia look like world beaters. Come on, say something. I'll take it. Say something salacious and say they're six in the world. Come on, man. no, but on, is, it, do it. Come on. is it? Is it? We've been at home for five weeks. Probably. Like I, I don't know. This is what I'm saying. I think rugby math is futile at the moment. So just fucking ride the wins. Hmm. Um, I think we can all agree All Blacks are one, and yep. let's enjoy the Wallabies winning. Yeah, absolutely. And England Real losing whenever just we can get it. Throw a number. Fuck it. Where to? <laughs> 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 Yeah, look, we, without seeing the Northern Hemisphere teams play, it's way too hard to fucking throw a number around. And it'll be throw, a one, you, throw one, you little dog. Where to? <laughs> wasn't the Richard, where that, are we? Wasn't the question I asked you where you were? Richard, where are we? Right now at this moment? Notice the use of we. Yeah, right now that you're, prob- you're probably number two in the world because I don't think England are there. I th- actually, no, I take that back. I think a full strength France would beat you, so I think you're three. Yeah, fair play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Interesting uh, times. Yeah, and I, just to say, I know we've got one more round left, but I'm excited by the, the last round because everything's really been decided. You know, New Zealand are one, Australia will finish second, so maybe it'll be some fast-flowing games in the, in the last round. And just to bring it together, I, I agree, it's been a great product. God, it's I've enjoyed. Of, it's, How it's good of, is it? Just. It's, it's kind of reminding me a little bit of the Six Nations because very similar time slot, a little bit more um, regularity of it. So you felt like it's been a, a, a series within a series. Um, so, yeah, it's been been really good um, for, as a product. So And the crowds have turned out well. Throw, throw in a lockdown and it's been a godsend. Mm. Wallabies winning, uh, regular international rugby, you know, round-robin-style tournament. Uh, we can't be the only... Australian rugby fans in lockdown who have just needed this. It, it has been an absolute fix at the end of the week, hasn't it? Just total yeah. euphoria. Something to wake up on Saturday morning 
frothing, just waiting for kickoff for two games in a row. I think it has been just magical. And I think it's also been really good that the where they've scheduled it as well, that the, the NRLs have been on at a different time slot. The AFL has been on a different time slot. So during that lockdown, the only sport predominantly around a certain time slot has been the rugby on. So the diehard sport fan who's been in lockdown, oh, let's just turn the rugby on. And I think it's been, a, and being successful has really helped as well. They could do it a little better. 7.30 is all right. But 7.30 is a nice little time slot, isn't it? Yeah. 7.20 even. Oh, oh, look, that, and that can't just be all the dads speaking. That, that's all the alcoholics too. 8.05 kickoffs, nonsense. Which, What's uh, which, doing? Which one does Jim fit into that one, the dad or the alcoholic? Definitely the, the latter, mate, because if you okay. start drinking at five, right, blind by seven, like it's oh. just how it works, especially because I sort of do the schooner dinner. As soon as I eat, I get extra tired, so I avoid eating altogether, and all I do is just... It all becomes a it's a it's a it's a haze, Richard. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a big haze, but um, it's it's late, man. Especially because that Argentinian and Kiwi game, sorry, the Kiwi and Bucky game, wrapped up at like seven. Yeah, and like the excuse is the training field, bitch. Please, you're professional athletes. All you do is train. Yeah, they, they, there's one the outside. Sheds. There's one outside. You'd be right. Yeah. That's, that's what it needs to be. It needs to be a quick turnover. And nothing months. more badass than some boys training in a faraway field and then walking back with their blazers on and sunnies on. <laughs> and a tie, yeah? Got to have a tie, yeah? <laughs> Why does every private school rugby team do that? It's sensational. <laughs> um, yeah, just fucking kick off at 7.40 or 7.30. Why 8.05? Just do 8. It infuriating. It needs to be fixed. And the other standout thing was... The- the fucking stop start nature, which was really emphasized this weekend. I noticed it much more than usual. Um, just the taking of the knee, the 15 minutes every five minutes. And, you know, we started talking about the red cards and yellow cards and how there needed to be some revolutions with that, some changes to being made. And I'm hoping with the same, the same thing with what we're talking about here, we need to start dealing with knees being taken every five minutes, every scrum, every stoppage in play, taking a knee. It needs to be dealt with. Yeah, I I agree entirely. And I don't have the solution. We've spoken about interchange here. I think that changes what a a type five looks like if you get in a change, changes the game a lot. Um, But but I don't know what the answer is, but it fucking needs to change. Isn't it just that they legitimately have quarter time and three-quarter time? It's crazy. It, it's just like, but we're so accustomed to it. Unless you're cognizant of it, you just, yeah, all right, I'll check Twitter now. Fuck, you, you check it, you notice at the 60th, mate. It yeah. really does feel like whatever the score is at the 50th, it's just going to be that. It's going to hold till the 70th and then we'll hold till the 70th and then we'll see what happens in the last 10. Yeah, and then two minutes to go, random penalty generator. Let's fire that yeah. bad boy up. Yeah, and then everyone gets back on when there's a kick to win it. Yeah. What a game. <laughs> Uh, but I don't want to be cynical. I want to say the Wallabies have got three trophies, three wins in a row. Um, it is an exciting time to be a Wallaby fan. I'm I don't even think we have a cabinet to put them in. Oh, I no, got two trophies. Checker smashed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant to ask you two boys. That's, this is a terrible segue, by the way, before you finish, because I feel like we're wrapping up. What did you think of Michael Liner's son being picked for England, by the way? That hurt a little bit. So one of them's gone to the Reds next year. Mm. And Louis, the young one, and yeah, then the older one's gone to England. Yeah, he's got picked in the squad. Yeah, how did that feel? 
It's just the most Eddie Jones thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's give him a cap so he can't change his mind. It's it's Wallabies with um, Niavora. <laughs> Shit house, but he might come good. He might be an Adolo yeah. that we let. And if he does through. come good, no one else can have him. No one else can have him. That's what <laughs> that's that what is. that's all Eddie Jones is doing here. Isn't it? His brother's pissed off. We can't By let this way, happen. And Eddie, good. Eddie's done at the end of the next World Cup too. He's very good, by the way. He plays for Queens. He's very good. Just oh, to let he? you know. Yeah. Just I wonder to... if um, the young one, though, will get much of a go at the Reds. He's going to be behind James O'Connor and about 50 ridiculously good inside centers. Seems like know. the wrong team to sign for, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's a good team to sign for. He's the actually credit to the Reds and what they're building. I think they're going to be a juggernaut next season. He's the only addition to the squad. There's no other players in. It's held. But that's an exciting prospect if you're a Reds fan. I'm not, yeah. so fuck him. But I think that's that's really impressive for continuity. He's the only bloke who showed up to preseason that wasn't there last year. Nice. Uh, I like that stuff. I like hearing that shit. You reckon Dad made a phone call? Absolutely, Dad 100%. made a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. You reckon Eddie made the other phone call? Absolutely. What, a, what an Eddie Jones move. I love that dude, man. But let's be honest, like, he's, he's, he't he born and bred basically in England? Yes, he is. Like, you know, oh, his, dad's, his dad's Michael Liner, so there's, yeah. well, you know, either team can have him. Unless so, he's really good and then he can get fucked. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very good, yeah. I've seen some highlights. He, he, he does look pretty good. Mm. He does look pretty, pretty good. Uh, what do we expect for all of the changes this well, week? The talk in the town is that they are going to make changes. Because Big Dog's got to eat. Don't Big they? Dog has got a Mad Dog McMahon has been on that bench starving. Yeah, they've got to yes. throw. They've got to throw him a bone. He's got to get some meat. They're, what they're doing is they're placing opened cans of chum around him and banning him from eating them. So Big he's dog. getting that scent. Big Dog got to eat, and he's going to have some Argentinian meat, some Isn't Puma he? pride. He's going to eat Puma. <laughs> Puma flavored so chum. I'm expecting the Big Dog back, the Mad Dog back, um, at six or eight. There you go. There's some mail. Not me. off the bench, straight in. Yeah, big dogs got to eat. For um, for for the Wallaby continuation, succession, build momentum. I, I'm going to repeat what I said last week. Yeah, bring show my man in at six. Okay, for Rob Leonard, did I? Okay, Isn't that but... the position that e- yeah. every team, and especially the Wallabies, is like? Yeah, fuck it, give someone else a cap. Yeah, but um. I feel like I want everyone else to, to. I feel like you should get want everyone else to continue to play, other than maybe JOC because he played really well when he came on. And then the time to put in the in inverted commas fringe players, players that are going to want you to build, play them against Japan, where you know you're going to win. Surely, like you want to, you want to win this game. And I, and after sixty, then lend an empty your bench. Yeah, I think it's all but confirmed. Corabetti's not playing. Um, yeah, he's gone back to Melbourne, and and fair play to. Fair play to him. He's like he's had a kid and What's just in been oh, he's best kid in fucking player. Um, I, I saw somewhere that talk is he's the best winger in the world, and yeah. at first I was like, oh, and I thought, like, you know what? Probably is. Yeah, like he is that freaking dominant every time he makes contact with another human being. Um, and yeah, we spoke about his lack of a kicking game. And fucking, I've got Corabetti in the team, and he kicks the ball. I'm dropping him. Don't you dare kick it. Run yeah, it. I think there's better there's better wingers in the world. Ch- Ches right? and Colby, sure. I'll give you that one, Richard. Yeah. But they're my 11 and 14. Or maybe Rico. Will Jordan's yeah, pretty good so too. Will Jordan's pretty much <laughs> up there as well. No? Oh, you I know couldn't what? get over how quick that dude was, man. Rudd, like Rudd, Forrest Rudd. Gump shit. Just 
<laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Got nothing to that. No, I was gonna, I was gonna take too big of a digression there, so I'm yeah. gonna push on. Um, um, great weekend for Australian rugby, though. The yeah. UFC today, Volkanovski retained the featherweight title. Just thought I'd deserve some acknowledgement. It was an incredible fight. I think it um, means the, the biggest shock, surely, Anthony Joshua losing the world heavyweight championship. I, I was bummed because I freaking love Tyson Fury, and I was pumped for Tyson Fury to stomp Joshua um, in a couple of months' time. But uh, after he does wider, but it's not going to happen now. No way. Joshua's a myth, though. He's never fought anyone. He actually uh, beat, uh, what was the Ukrainian? He beat yeah, him twice. Klitschkoff. Klitschkoff. He's he about 95, mate. He came out in a Zimmer frame. Did you, did you want to say that to him? Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just excited for Jim's uh, podcast next week on uh, Lewis Hamilton coming from fourth to First in the uh, Grand Prix tomorrow, in the most boring Grand Prix of their whole series in the Russian one, but he's got... Doesn't it look at every single one of them, man, has retired their engine and put a new one in and they're all starting last. No one gives a fuck about this one, it seems. Yeah, because they all thought Mercedes were going to be one, two, and now they're fourth and seventh because a bit of a rain. So no, I mean, Bottas Botta, changed his engine, so he's going at 17th now. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's just Hamilton and then Lando and Sainz and I don't know who the other one was. Uh, George Russell. That's right, the Pom. Yeah, there's three poms in the top four, mate. It's good. We'll have a bit, we'll have a bit of rain, apparently. Who thought? Yeah, yeah. look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it kicks off at 10 tonight. I'm going to watch it, but fuck, I don't know. Is it going to be just a borathon? Maybe, but just put your timer on for one o'clock, Spurs Arsenal. You know, there's another sports reference for you. That's a big. Right. That's, that's the big thing, mate. I got the, I got the 3 a.m. in. 3 a.m. the NFL's kicking off again. Washington are playing Buffalo in Buffalo. We're getting off the other sports here. <laughs> did, did you guys get the AFL grand final? Did you watch it? I know it was on the same time as the Wallabies. I just Whatever. can't. It's a horrendous sport, mate. I just can't get it. I stand by what I said, how the sports that I watch, I've been so programmed to watch sports where the ball is being controlled in the sense that it's not flopping about. A drop ball is the worst thing that can happen. And when I see that, I'm not attracted to it. I think it's ugly. And all <laughs> AFL is, is just fucking, a, it's, a, it's a sloppy mud fight. That's what it looks like to me. I don't see the structures at all because I don't play the sport, but it just looks like a bunch of toddlers chasing a red ball. Yeah, all right. I didn't <laughs> watch it either. I can't no, I, did, I didn't watch it, but I don't want to now after that uh, soliloquy about and it. And obviously oh. it's the most popular sport, so i got to be wrong, but I'm programmed to seeing the ball controlled, no. so I see it as loose as that. No, football's way more popular, surely. Not In Australia? Australia mate. AFL's oh, a country more. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I thought you meant a whole, whole world. Yeah. No, 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 we're an island, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys, that's a quick all projection right. of next week. Sounds this like week. a plan. Not going to be too much out of the realms. I'm going. Um, I'm going New Zealand by ten, and Australia by nine. Next, I'll go Wallabies by twenty plus, Oof. and I'll go ooh, All Blacks by seven. I'm going to go. Uh, just think, Argentina have got a minute to defend. I think that it's quite hard to score tries against them. So I think um, I'm going to go the Wallabies by nine. I think we'll still be comfortable, uh, but it's important we lead because they can defend and make it dirty. You're still going to play your percentages, so I still think they're dangerous. Um, and I do think the All Blacks 
will not play that poorly again. They will be catching a lot of high balls at training. Um, and I think a few personnel changes. I'm going to go All Blacks 13 plus. Richie's got to be eligible now, man. Dude spent a year in quarantine, it feels. Um, yeah, it's an interesting dilemma. Bowden Barrett isn't Bowden Barrett of 2017, but he's still fucking sensational, right? But I'm not picking him over Geordie Barrett, and I'm probably not picking him over Richie Malunga right now. Nah, me either. Isn't mm-hmm. it insane that Bowden Barrett is on the bench? Like that's, that's just not going to happen. Mind. Yeah, I know. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, I agree with what you just said, but he'll find it. They'll, they'll find him. They'll put him back in at 15. He's just such a maverick. But I get he's, what you're saying about the Geordie Barrett being playing super well, but he's just a maverick, just a freak. Yeah. He, he Fuck, really you really is. think Geordie's going to be on the bench in the games that matter, Geordie's on the bench, Bowden? No, no, no. So they'll put Geordie on the wing. Mm. That's oh, what I reckon. Well, you got, once you've got Reese back on the wing, and then yeah. who's, who's your 13? Is Rico? Yeah, Rico, Rico. I reckon Rico. I see him as a winger, not a 13. Rico's been playing fucking lights out, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But again, I've been proved. Apparently, I'm, I've been wrong before, yeah. so I may be wrong again. What was your quote? I'm sometimes wrong. <laughs> More wrong than right. All right, people. It's been good. It's been, right. it's been unreal. Can't wait for the next weekend. Yeah, All it's right. going to be outstanding. Thanks, well, actually, boys. I've got a proposal oh. for Australian rugby. You hear this out? You, uh, you run in the 12 line? I'm going to run 12 when Kravi's out injured. No, it was, um, you know, no, no. MPC, what was our comp called here? NRC. We clearly need a comp, right? We can't afford it. We should enter two teams. I'll, I'll, three would be great, but two teams in the MPC. They can play out of Tassie, so it's not a long flight. <laughs> um, so the 60 next best players that don't make the Wallaby squad are playing competitive rugby. Are just following Angus Scott Young on Instagram. Make some badass T-shirts, that bloke. Um, he's just gone over to play in the NPC because there's no rugby to be played in Australia. Dude, there's um, a bunch of them who've gone over to do I know, I rugby. know. But it just made me think, well, wouldn't that be awesome? And, and, and the interest in that comp. Now, I think if we did three teams... I don't know how fucking competitive would be. I don't know if they've uh, got three stadiums in Tassie. But if we did two teams um, and you just did like a Tars, Brumbies combined and a, I don't know, Reds, Rebels, Force, whatever, however you fucking come up with it, um, you just, um, I don't know, I just thought it was a, a cheap alternative to get guys playing rugby. If the plan isn't to build a spectator sport, if the plan is to build um just a competition for players to play some footy, it gets guys playing uh, and you build some continuity with the next string down your super rugby players. Um, and then I actually think it has the, the possibility of creating a fan base in the sense of you don't have to fucking follow a whole competition and learn all these new names. You're just following your one team oh, or in Australia's case, if you get behind both teams, you're following two so, I don't know. What do you think of my theory? I don't know if New Zealand will have us, but... I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's got... Look, I think a lot of players, to go back to your point, aren't a lot of those players playing in the uh, Mitre 10 or MPC, whatever it's called already? No? No, I think only a couple of Aussies do. I, I, Angus Scott Young's the only one I know of this year. I think the rest are in the Wallaby squad. 
Um, or if they're not in the Wallaby squad, if they're in Sydney, mate, they're just not playing footy. Mm. They're doing beep tests. And the way in which that's probably structured over there is it serves the interests of New Zealand rugby and maybe not getting the Aussies on board as much doesn't serve their interest as much in their development schemes. So having those two Aussie teams are great. You know, question marks over whether or not Tassie's the place to base them. No, I'm just taking the piss with Tassie. You I just, don't know. You, you call, can, call, them, call them the Hobart Hurricanes, mate. That's what you, you could call them, no? You could run them out of New Zealand if, if cutting costs was a priority, but I don't think a flight to, to Sydney or Queensland would be too dramatic. No, neither um, do I. Uh, it, it's, yeah, you know, I don't know if they're going to do it. I think it's great. One well, I don't think news. they are either. I don't <laughs> think the CEO of Australian Rugby is listening, thinking, fuck it, that bloke. <laughs> he, he, he just said Corbettic's the best winger in the world. I yeah. reckon he's got some good points. <laughs> but if, if they're sitting around not getting much sessions in, not much training, like and what they're really waiting for is the Super Rugby preseason to kick off, then it makes fucking perfect sense. Hmm. Uh, especially you think of some of those blokes who finished Super Rugby and then just went back to their club team, like just naturally you just play your environment, don't you? And, again, we take the piss, but they're literally training against us if they do that. Yeah. The, the Tuesday training is touch footy against us. Um, so, anyway. Um, last one. What did you boys think about the, uh, the, the talk of only 15 minutes of contact per week at training? Uh, for me, it would clearly clearly bring on my return if they would cut cardio to the same number yeah. i would i would make a triumphant return i'd be that cat at training mate who was on the ball and it's like right quick drill we've already done our 15 man <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i just can't i'm sorry we're gonna do tackling practice dude i gotta sit 15 minutes and 30 seconds we gotta call this off coach <laughs> I'm just I here just... to protect the boys i used to skip the tuesday sessions because thursdays was backline moves so come along for that one, but give Tuesday a miss because it was contact. Yeah, against no opposition too. You thought you were a fucking gun every Thursday. <laughs> Tuesday I just, hurt. I just feel the increase of smartwatches is going to increase. So stopwatches around the next. Excuse me, coach. Uh, the, the buzzer's got off. 15 minutes is done. Can I, can I just go out the back now? Is that going to be all right for you? Yeah. Who the fuck's watching that shit, but man? Well, that's the thing. Look, contact. do you know what? In at, at elite level, there will be, there will have to, there'll be someone. But it's the junior level rugby, the one that that's where the issue is because I don't know how well um, coached around the world everyone is about tackle technique, and sometimes you need to have a little bit more than fifteen minutes. But I understand the well being of of, uh, of everyone is is paramount, so I understand that. But yes, monitoring at the junior level or the uh, amateur level would be very hard. It sounds like they're taking the piss and it sounds like nonsense to me. And what's, but um, in terms of like when you look at MMA and boxing, when fighters stop sparring, it builds years to their career. And the argument is once they're professional, they don't need to spar. They know how to fight. They need to train technique, do cardio, do fitness, blah, blah, blah. Getting punched in the head doesn't help anyone. Um, so I think it sounds stupid, but starting the conversation um, around contact at training um, jokes aside, it's, it's a good conversation to have. It um, is, but you've got to imagine the fact that, say you've done 15 minutes of full contact training per week, but you're the hooker who then has to do 30 minutes of like live, you know, set-piece training. In terms that was of in like, the guidelines too, to cut down that's the That's what I'm saying, but it's, but it's still 30 minutes. So if you're doing 15 minutes of full contact, an extra 30 minutes of live set-piece, you know, in terms of scrummaging, um, that's still a, still a lot. So Who yes. ratted, you reckon? Who ratted? Yeah, who's the snitch? Who was who was just sick of doing it? Some, Sounds some like something Drew Mitchell would do about fitness. 
<laughs> Someone snitched, didn't they? It was probably Latu, man. <laughs> <laughs> Down at Southern Districts, yeah? This is too much contact. Too much contact. This is madness. Remember when you're in high school and they do that tackling one where you just get a number and you'd line up and it was just like gladiator sports and they'd go seven and oh, 11. And they and weren't you, you just run and you'd look up and no matter what happened, they called Tupac. It's like, fucking, what are the odds here? And yeah. As you're running around that cone, you're just thinking, how did I get here? Dude, and those teachers at high school, they knew exactly what they were doing, eh? Now from the- it. <laughs> it's just harsh. It's so <laughs> harsh. Anyway, we've digressed a long way. The Wallabies yes. are fantastic. I can't wait for next weekend. ARU, when you use my strategy, you're welcome. All right. Thanks, boys. Have a great day.